0: From Hong Kong, Chicago and the city of Stoke-on-Trent, this is the Classic Lenses Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 132. My name is Simon Forster and I'm joined by Johnny Sisson and Perry G. Hello, Johnny. Hello, everybody. Hello, Perry. Hello, hello. Johnny, how's the weather? It
1: looks nice out. It's, um, I think it's it's like 70 and sunny today. It's this is like the last you know, it's like it's like the it's like the weather right before it gets really crappy in Chicago right about now. So, it's like the it's like the best weather of the year that rapidly deteriorates.
0: Yeah. I would how would the the leaves doing on the trees? are they
1: starting to turn now or have they already not, turned? No, not really. They haven't even really started at all. So, I mean, they don't really do that. They do it much later because, you know, the world's dying. So, the te- so like, we don't really have winter anymore anyway in Chicago. So the leaves don't change till later than they used to. Mm. And they change later in the city because it's closer to the lake and it stays warmer later. So, yeah, it's weird. Actually, I
0: read. I read something the other day. Um, I say I read. I got as far as the headline, but, but it was talking about population in America's going to be shifting because of uh, climate change and stuff like that. So I assume are more people going to head further north to places like Chicago and such? Uh,
1: I guess those poor bastards can if they want to. I'm, I'm, I'm heading the fuck out of here as quick as humanly possible myself, but. I suppose it's north to people who are south of here. Hmm. That that could be. It's possible. There's no there's no we don't have any we don't have wildfires here. Uh what else don't we have here? We don't have hurricanes here. We have tornadoes but not hurricanes. Uh what else don't we have here? We don't have sea level rise. Um We're on the, we're right on the, we're right next to the largest body of fresh water on the planet. That's a good thing. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, What else? That's pretty much all you need, isn't it? Really?
1: Yeah, pretty much. In a bullet bulletproof vest, and you're all set. Yeah, yeah.
0: And how's things over in Hong Kong at the moment, Perry?
2: That's all right. Um, Normally, every summer around July, we have. Uh, around three weeks of a rainy season where it just rains nonstop for almost a month, uh, and that's basically happened in September. Um, so we are finally just coming out of that. It feels like it's been raining forever, and and finally a little bit of sunshine.
0: I, I was just going to say, I don't have you taken many shots in the rain. No. Is there a reason? Is, there, is there a reason for that? Because I mean, getting ph- photography in the rain can be can be fantastic, can't it?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I did go shooting in the rain um, uh, a week and a half or almost two weeks ago. And I got some I got at least one shot of someone with an umbrella walking through a doorway that I I was really happy with. Uh, Although Mike Novak apparently was really bothered by the picture because it was slightly crooked. (laughs) Um, But I mean, yeah, I just don't I don't shoot in the rain much. It's um, it's more of a me thing than a than a photography and camera thing, because like when it rains here, it's torrential. Yeah. Um, and it's not, it's not like in England, you know, where like the sky is constantly spitting on you just all the time, <laughs>
1: Yeah, you
2: know, it, yeah. it's, it's like a waterfall when it comes down here. So, you don't know, really don't want to be outside in that. Yeah. I've,
0: I've never been one for, um, photography in the rain anyway, even when I was, you know, got back into photography and I was using the Olympus m one with a 12 to 40, um, lens, which is, um, you know, a weather sealed lens and the, and the Olympus is a really good camera in terms of weather sealing in in general um and it, it just seemed like the obvious thing to be able to go out and actually use it and i just i just couldn't bring myself to get my precious camera wet or, or lens wet for that matter
2: so it's not well good. that's what the nikonos is for
0: that's very true yeah uh, that's very true so uh
2: so yeah yeah i, I, I know what, what you mean though you know weather weather sealed cameras like weather sealed digital cameras in particular it's like you know that they're supposed to be okay, but getting them wet just feels wrong. <laughs>
0: yeah. But the, the other part is like getting the getting – the, actually, I am just realized I'm half re- recalling a conversation that uh, Graeme Jago had on the All Through a Lens podcast where he was talking about taking pictures in the rain. And, and it's not so much about the rain getting wet. It's about the, your lens getting wet at the front. Um, because I mean, the last thing I want to do when I'm actually outside is is to be wiping a lens on whatever it is I just happen to have with me at the time. Yeah, that that just goes through
2: me. I mean, you can do what the pros do and put it in a plastic bag. Yeah, but the other it's side, is,
0: yeah, the, the the other side of this, of course, is that generally speaking, we're we're out there using old manual focus lenses that i would never heard of weather sealing. Um, So uh, that's a, a good enough reason not to do it. That could be one of the reasons why I do it because I I, I can't. Sorry, uh, my my lens would let water in, so uh, I'm I'm going to stay in here in the warm and the dry. Lens hoods help, you know. <laughs> don't
1: that they just
0: don't, don't they just channel the water to to to? So no, it, yeah, and then it will just go in and seep in.
1: Uh, oh no, I don't. The, I don't worry about. No, I don't worry about that. I don't worry about cameras getting wet. I, I worry, I just, it's just keeping the front element from having droplets all over it. I don't, do you guys worry about manual lenses getting wet? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Huh.
0: <laughs> I don't, I don't <laughs> let water in. I mean, most, most you get into a, into a camera and
1: get into a lens. That's actually but, quite yeah. a bad thing, you know. But you can you can shoot in the rain without without it getting soaking wet. It's not that hard to do. Yeah, but well that that requires
2: preparation, then doesn't it? <laughs> Wait, how how often do you shoot in the rain? I like all the time. With with what?
1: With whatever I have on me. Hmm. I just no. I mean, it, it's like I just keep it tucked. Uh, I keep it tucked under, usually my coat until I'm ready to shoot something, and then. I've got usually I have a ball cap on, so I've got a visor over the camera. you know what I mean? Mm. And I just take the shot and put it back under my coat and then dry it off later if it got any drops on it. So, I, I seriously never worry about that ever. <laughs> well, <laughs> unless, yeah. unless it's like a torrent, but I wouldn't be shooting in torrential rain anyway, so
2: right. Well, we I, I was out with my Roloflex the other day, and, and um, in Hong Kong, when it's not raining, the other thing you have to worry about is air-con drip uh, from so. all of the uh, you know, <laughs> tall buildings. Just you know, You're know, you never sure if it's rain or air-con drip. And uh, a Roloflex is a really, really bad camera to have when there's water falling from the sky. Yeah, <laughs> That is true, yes.
1: I've,
0: I've got to say, I think I mean, I've done it on a couple of occasions, but... And I I don't I don't really do it these days now, but um when I used to go out quite a lot with my, my, my Sony at night, um the times when I've been out just after it's finished raining and you get all and it's you know properly night and uh uh, you've got all the reflections uh, bouncing oh, yeah. off the, the the ground and every, everywhere around it. It's a it's a fantastic time to uh, to to be out there doing doing boker shots. I've got to say.
2: Um, oh, without question, the light is always best after a storm, not during. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Maybe maybe I need I need
0: to go out and start doing that kind of stuff again. Although interesting enough, I, I just I've no desire to go out and do that uh, with film. I I just want to do that. Dig- digitally because so i just think it just works better
1: yeah it can i, I it,
0: wet streets look really nice mm. with digital yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah it's true
0: anyway on that note um first thing i want to do i say first thing we've been chatting for five minutes or even longer um is say uh, thank you to ethan moses who was our guest last week who were uh, dropped in and stayed um so it was, it was great having you with us ethan um and uh, he was uh, chatting to us about his uh, current Kickstarter, which is the uh, the mongoose thing that digitizes film. Um, and it's, it's interesting. I, I listened to the Sunny 16 podcast uh, from a couple of weeks ago, and he was on that, and they went into huge lengths about the uh, the Mongoose and, the, and how it works and, and so on and so on. And I'm thinking, we didn't do any of that. Yeah, it was a case Dorks. of, uh, yeah, Ethan, it's like, Ethan, you've got a new, new device. Yeah, I have. It's good. And, and then we talked about other stuff.
1: <laughs> so no, so you, we... guys, you guys went on and on
0: about how it was ugly. Oh, that was very true. Well, it is. And it's noisy. <laughs> it's ugly and noisy, but it's very but, successful.
1: But it's a utilitarian device. I wasn't expecting it to look fancy. I just, I don't know. I
0: mean the 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 main point I mean certainly when you go looking around where you see if it whether it turns up on DP review or I don't know if you go on to Petapixel or whatever but the the so and whether it be um Twitter or whatever so many people were having to go with that product and and they were saying well, I'm not going to pay that much to you know to to have a few of my um Images digitised, and this okay. So, well, it's not for you, and you know, it's it's that thing, isn't it? When <laughs> right. I, feel, I feel really <laughs> sorry for people that that make something, launch a product, and then it goes out there, and you and it just gets commented upon by people that the product is clearly clearly not aimed for, but they think that perhaps it should be, as if, like, they've got a right for somebody to make a product for them exactly Mm -hmm. right for them. And if it's not, then they have every right to tell the world why why it is wrong. Not wrong for them, just wrong. You know, and it just winds me up royally, that does.
2: Oh, yeah. I I think I sent you a link uh, a couple of weeks ago Um, I think it was Laowa launched some new ultra wide angle lens and all of the comments on the announcement were like, why did you make this lens? Why did you not make this other lens that I want instead? Well, that was it.
1: What was the one that um, somebody just released a, uh, a super small 35 millimeter. Uh, Oh shit. What was it like? You know, like a body cap lens. Mm Mm-hmm. Was it? Was it seven artisans? I don't know. I think I think it was seven artisans, and I mean, I did the same thing. I crapped all over it because it wasn't because it was a thirty-five and not a twenty-eight. And I was like, <laughs> if it was a twenty-eight, I would have been throwing money at them. But you know, as the thirty-five, so it's like I don't know. <laughs> what a stupid idea. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, that's- well, but because it is. I mean, who needs a body cap thirty-five? Well, that, 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 yeah, I mean, I, I do have a
0: body. I've got a body cap. I think it's a nine mil for a Micro Four Thirds, and that's really cool. Mm. Yeah, probably because it's nine mil. Yeah. So if it was, I mean, th-
1: it. Yeah. it, it I, it's just like thirty-five isn't wide enough for me to to want to. use it as a body cap. I mean, I could just use a proper thirty-five lens. That's not that big either. <laughs> you know what I mean? But if it was a twenty-eight, then it's a walk-around, focus-free. Yeah. Body cap then it's yeah. awesome.
0: So, so what anyway. on earth was that company thinking of by bringing exactly. that it? Exactly. What
1: were they thinking? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I probably would have bought two of them already. Yeah.
0: But no, it's 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 rubbish. So, yeah, yeah, it's rubbish. So there you go.
1: Um nice job
0: guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so Perry, um news news reaches me that you haven't actually bought anything this week. Is that is that actually true?
2: Uh well, oh, let me just make sure before I.
0: Well, we're Wednesday. Yes. Well, I was going to say we're Wednesday to Wednesday at the moment, which is actually probably just worth mentioning that um, for the foreseeable future we're recording on Wednesdays, um, and uh, so yeah, that that's sort of messed our body clocks up and things like that. So uh, um, I think I, I can see Perry at the moment. I think he's still thinking. Did I? Did I? Have I not bought anything in seven days? Really?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think I have because. Um, I haven't bought anything since my last uh, purchase, which I'm not ready to talk about yet. Um, but well, I'm trying to do this, like, no-nut-November thing, um, where it's, like, no gas for the rest of 2020. Um, I, and I'm, I'm going to fail, but, you know, it's, like, an experiment. So, you know, no-nut-November, we, expend, we ext- extend it to gas, and we extend it for three months and a bit. That's the goal.
0: So you you are serious? Are you serious that you're going to attempt to go till next year before you buy
2: a, a new lens or camera? Uh, yes, but with some exceptions. Um, <laughs> okay, let's if, hear the if, caveats. If if I see a Rodenstock Helicon 35 mm <laughs> it's, it's always
1: an exception.
2: Um, for a good price, uh, then I, I I need that lens. That's top of my wish list. If any of you listeners. Now that you know the top of my wish list, if any of you see that for sale for a non-absurd price, uh, let me know. Don't you dare buy it <laughs> because I want that lens so bad.
1: Or so, or at least, at the very least, buy it and then offer to sell it to Perry.
2: Uh, yeah, that too. That's cool. That LTM, not, not some weird. I don't think there's any other versions. And then, and I'm I'm eyeing this like Kimura 35 2.8 as well. That's on eBay for a good price. And I'm like, no, don't buy it, don't buy it. But it's swirly bokeh. It's got some field curvature. It's kind of neat looking lens. Um. So and anyway, no, no, <laughs> no, not November. No gas, 2020. That's that's the goal. Uh, and you know, you should, what's that saying? Like shoot for shoot for the moon or shoot for the stars um, and if you fail you'll shoot for the moon and if you fail you land among the stars right that's, I think that's the saying yeah you're just going to trip and land in the puddle though aren't you <laughs> it's but, not raining hey why you have so little faith come
1: on but the stars are further away that doesn't make any sense I know right it makes no yeah, sense yeah it makes no sense
2: because then you just miss the moon and you go further beyond right so that would be like me failing no not November and and buying like 30 lenses instead.
0: Yeah, but if think this, so they're further beyond but you'll go past the moon if you miss it anyway. So eventually you will actually get to the stars. It would
2: just how many light but it in like
1: in, in 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 like a billion years. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, <laughs> unless you hit the moon and you stay there. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I think mean, yeah, you're right. The same makes no sense. though. It makes no sense. Yeah,
1: it does. It probably does to people who are like flat earthers. Yeah, so it probably makes total sense to them.
0: So we have a situation where you've you've not bought anything in in the last seven days. You 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 plan uh, on not buying any more of anything this year. Um, So do do you have? Unless that that lens apart from from that one, or maybe another one. Um, Hmm. So do you have anything to talk about this week? I do
2: do so there's a couple things i've been playing with um because you know apart from the rain when it hasn't been raining i've been trying to shoot a little bit so i've been shooting with my with my roloflex uh i went out shooting a couple weeks ago with the horizon 202 um because i had this role of santa ray 1000 which is this atrocious iso 1000 film that's super super thin and i couldn't get it to catch properly in any of my cameras uh so i put it in the horizon because you know you have to l- loop that film through like three different sprockets before you can use it, so it's definitely going to load properly, right? As long as, you know, I don't screw it up. Um, And, okay, so in terms of actual stuff, the Voightlander Ultron uh, that Anu Jindal sent me on a broken Vitessa uh, arrived, and I tried to get the Vitessa fixed, uh, and my repair guy basically was like, not worth it, Um, don't do it. So I ripped that lens off. It was pretty easy, and I have been playing around with it a little bit. I haven't actually gone out to shoot with it outside yet, um, but it's pretty awesome uh, from what I see. It has a very unique kind of flare characteristic. Um, and you know the Ultron lenses just by and large have a pretty sweet reputation, and this is the first time I've actually like had one in my collection. So I'm trying to figure out different ways that I can kind of mount it. Um, and different ways that I can use it, because right now it's sort of relegated to being used on the Sony. So I don't know if you guys have tried this version of the Ultron on the Vitesse. Uh,
1: No, I have not. I know the one you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. I mean,
2: it... it, Okay, so so this is a really random question, um, but I, I saw when I was browsing eBay the other day a Kodak Retina with this lens on it, and it looks like the person just took the front... And the back and replace them, and on, on these cameras, like the Vitessa, like the folding Retinas, oh, and the Agfa carrots, I guess, are you able to like unscrew the front and rear element from one lens and put them onto another? Well,
0: you mean like a, almost like a large format lens,
2: where you got yeah. like, the front and rear cells that go around the shutter? Yeah, because they look like they're the same thread size. I haven't tried, but when I saw this Retina with the Ultron sort of transplanted onto it. It looks like it's just been screwed off and screwed on, and then I guess you'd have to shim it. But do, do you guys know if that's the case? I didn't
0: even know you could unscrew them. I just thought I thought that's odd.
2: Yeah, yeah you can unscrew the front and rear group quite easily to clean them. I've done that before, but it, it hadn't hadn't occurred to me that they might be interchangeable. Mm. Um, but well, I mean,
0: th- there'd be some logic in that, anyway, wouldn't it? Because yeah, you know, you would just have one size of shutter. And one size of opening for the shutter, so uh-huh. I, mean, I assume that they all have the same, or most of them have a, mm-hmm. a similar shutter. So
2: it would make sense to design them around that. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. That's a really good point um, because the single compress shutters. There's like a few standard sizes, right? And these are all the same size. Hmm. I don't know if anyone has um, like sacrificial. So, re- 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 that's where I go going, Johnny.
1: No, so I was going to say so. So it would be like a. It would be like a. Um, coniflex uh is
2: yeah that, is that what yeah, you're saying but, where, but, where
1: you change the front cell off and the rear cell stays with the uh, yeah but not camera not, body but but not really because he's talking about taking the rear one off as well was
0: that unscrews mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. so, so you take them both off and put and transplant them on which 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 camera are we talking about which version
2: uh i it was a retina uh retina 2 something maybe a 2a and then it had this Ultron on it, but like the, the shutter was the Kodak shutter. It's still a synchro Comper, but it just has a very distinctive like front plate. But then the, the front of the lens was the Ultron. And the whole lens basically was being sold as like Kodak Retina with the Ultron lens mm-hmm. um mm. from a from a Vitessa. And when I looked at it, it looked it looked really smooth. Like no one had hacked anything. So it literally looked like he just screwed off the front and back and then screwed on the front and back element.
1: I could I could go front. get I was going to well, say, you I have could a bunch go get of one random right random now and we could try. Hold on a second. Yeah.
0: And I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm getting confused here, but you just, just said the Kodak from a Vitessa, or Vitessa, as I would say. The um, Ultron and, from a Vitessa. But, and then it went on to the Kodak. It ret- okay. Correct. That. that that's that's it. That was a bit that was hurting my head a little bit
2: there. Yeah. So I assume that it had a either a Heligon or a, a, a more likely a xenon. Maybe the lens was screwed up, and the person just transplanted it. Hmm. It good. makes sense because, yeah. yeah. Ooh, we're gonna have some live action. Um,
1: Jeez, where's your where's the where's your resident uh, retina expert when you need them, huh? <laughs>
2: This isn't a retina thing, it's more of a synchro comper thing. Right?
1: I so I am unscrewing the front lens block of
2: my retina 2a. Um, you probably want to make sure they're the same like focal length and aperture.
1: Well, I mean I don't have a I don't have anything different to replace it with necessarily, but mm-hmm. this is a uh F2 Zenon. Yep. And I've unscrewed the I've unscrewed the front which yeah, is just Yeah, that just spin. comes right off. Yeah, and so then underneath that of course is the rest the, of the lens. Now, the but I don't know how you'd get to the back part to screw off.
2: I think you'd have to use a um a lens spanner.
1: Yeah, you I mean you you could, retinas are a pain in the ass that way though.
2: Yeah, but if you're not you're not kind of like ripping the whole assembly off, you're just cuz I know that on on a couple of these lens Cameras like the the carrot with the helicon, you can just unscrew the rear element. It's it's a lot fiddlier because you got to go, you yeah. know, in, you got to go in from behind and and through the past the bellows, but it's doable.
1: How does that work in, in no not November though? <laughs> hey, just switching them around. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also have all right. Let's just out of for curiosity's sake. So I also have right here. In my hands. Um, an Ansco Caramat. And I am unscrewing the front element out of that, which is also an F2 Zenon. Now that, however, when you unscrew that, it's the entire front optical block. It's not, you know what I mean? It's not like ah. the retina. It, it's the front probably doublet right that the two the front pair of elements that are probably cemented or if it's maybe it's a single element um so i can't take this and screw it into
2: oh i
1: can't screw i can't screw the uh carrot lens into the retina because there's too much but i can no that doesn't work either the threads don't match so none of it matches
2: Oh, okay. It's a fun that's,
1: idea, but none of it matches.
2: Okay, that that's interesting because I didn't realize because I, I didn't realize that when you remove the when you unscrew from the retina, there's still glass behind it, and it's not just the shutter.
1: No, so. you're not all the way to the shutter. You have like the, ah. the 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 center lens, the center optical block is you know the center front optical block in front of the shutter is still there, as opposed to gotcha. when I just unscrewed this from the carrot. It's the entire thing, and I am in fact looking at the shutter blades now. So.
2: Oh, well, that, that's disappointing. Kinda, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So so anyway, um, this Ultron, it uh, I, I'm gonna put it to some use. I'm trying to figure out a way if I can get it housed um, for use on on LTM or M mount. Um, because it sits too close to be used on any SLR. And there's this really strange product that I have seen a lot lately in Hong Kong that people are using to uh, give rangefinder coupling to lenses like Wolensack, Fastax, Raptors, um, and just like all kinds of crazy, mostly cine lenses. And it's this 50 millimeter rangefinder coupled helicoid from a Chinese company called Yifeng. Um, and it's pretty well made. The ones I've tried have been very, very accurate. but basically it's a it's a coupled helicoid on the back with a distance scale from infinity to zero point seven. And then on the front, there's like a screw thread, and you have to kind of get the distance and shim it correctly. But the idea is you can attach any kind of fifty millimeter optic to it and get rangefinder coupling. That is really cool, huh? Yeah. It is. It is very. I'm trying to purchase one of those right now. Well, you can't. Um, well, you can't though. No no I, no, no. I. I
0: have. No, you can't. It's not a lens.
1: <laughs> it's, or it's a it's,
2: camera.
0: It's, yeah, but it's good. Oh,
1: oh, wait a second, Perry. So that you can still buy accessories, but you can't. You just. You're just saying. Of course, you I can buy accessories. Okay.
2: <laughs> what? what just, no, now November is like. You. But you, wouldn't? It, wouldn't that be like? Wouldn't that be
1: like? Just using the victoria's secret catalog instead of proper
2: no it depends what you're doing right i I, no no come on well we know what you're doing you're not you're not going to order something i mean (laughs) (laughs) wait so where's the where's the line like film for example must be okay to buy but
1: that's a consumable that's that's different yeah no even uh, even
2: under tax law that would be okay no, you're, you you guys are not allowed to change the rules of my NoNet November. No, please. <laughs> lenses and cameras only. Of course, I, I just sent you guys a link to this thing um, so you can see what it looks like. Um, no, I'm totally going to buy one of these. All right. Let's see what this thing it doesn't, is. It doesn't count. So I basically, I've seen loads and loads of conversions recently in Hong Kong that all use this. Um, and I've been looking at them and using them. It's very smooth. It's very well made. Um, that's why it's kind of pricey. But I've been looking at this and being like, why do all of these lens conversions have the same helicoid mount? And it's not easily found by Googling. And I finally found the damn thing on Taobao, which is like a Chinese equivalent of Amazon or eBay. Um, More like Amazon. And, yeah.
1: I'm trying to log in, Perry, and I I have a rowboat with a sleeping text bubble in it and a bunch of Characters that I can't read, but there is an underline group of characters, and if I click that, I don't know what it says, and I don't know where it's taking me. But if I click it, it takes me to another page that has a dinosaur-looking, cute dinosaur thing. What? With a magnifying glass, and he has a T-shirt on that says "I heart Taobao," and then there's a text enter box and a whole bunch of text below that that doesn't tell me anything
2: either. Oh, I, I think I think it's because they don't let. Americans look well
1: that's racist.
2: Yeah. So I sent you guys screenshots. (laughs) Okay. I've 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 got it. I've I'm I'm looking at it now. Did you
1: get in? Maybe it's
2: not not in America. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that could be. And maybe it's like part of the trade war thing.
2: Yeah, Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Um, so so I mean, this is it's like an adapter essentially, but it's like a pimped out adapter. Uh... with like an M coupling, and then there's like a thread on the inside. Um and Basically, like everything, all the conversions I've seen recently have used this same. Most of the conversions I've seen recently have used these same things. And I've just been trying to figure out what the hell is this. And now I found it. So I'm going to so, buy one. So it's,
1: it's, it's, a, it's a helicoid? Is that what yeah. it is? set up for adapting optical blocks into?
2: Uh, yeah. It's, so it's, it's, 50, it's for 50 millimeter lenses. It's a rangefinder okay. coupled like an M mount um, with a focusing helicoid. And then you find a way to get your optics on it. I okay. think there's a there's like a forty, uh, forty two or forty nine millimeter thread or something inside. That's cool. It's mega cool, mm-hmm. and like the conversions I've seen are super accurate, and they're great. Because I mean, I guess with fifty millimeter, if the helicoid is consistent, yeah. Um, as you just have to get infinity right, and then it it'll couple.
1: And you can get it in black or silver.
2: <laughs> yeah, black obviously, but yes, it's, you can get it, it in black it, or silver.
1: It's almost like when people take uh, like a cheap, you know, like a like a Jupiter like a like a you know like a Soviet lens yes. body, right? It's like they take yes. an star body and they hack different glass into it. It's like that, basically.
2: Yes, but this is much more elegant because there's a larger opening and a thread for you to screw something into rather than trying to kind of
1: Well, it's all about the size of the opening.
2: Exactly. Yeah.
1: All right. That's cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And it looks like, does it have a LTM? Does it have an M ring on the back? So is this actually LTM?
0: Yeah. No idea. Yeah, it is. I, yeah. Oh, oh, that's, that's, oh sorry. That's no, sweet. no, no, sorry. No, not LTM. It's LM. It's, uh, it's Lacquer M, isn't it? Not LTM. Yeah,
2: well, but, but then it's never clear whether it's just an adapter screwed onto the back, which is. That's
1: what I mean. It's a, it looks oh, like, right. it, yeah, it looks like it's just an adap- It looks like a M adapter on the back of an
2: LTM mount. But I mean, it could, you know. Who knows? I, I'm not sure because there are screws on the back of it. Yeah. Well, where
1: well. is it? Why don't you have one yet, Perry? Yeah. What are you been doing?
2: <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to get one of these. Um, and if it works and it's easy, then it's just going to open up a whole new world of possibilities. Because I bought all these, like, lenses from dead 35-millimeter folding cameras yeah. um, that I want to use. But the flange distances are too short to put them on, like – you know, I can get them onto m- an M42 ring easily right. and then get them onto digital that way, but you can't put it on like a Spotmatic because it's going to hit the mirror.
0: So this is just a mechanism to get you through no, no, not November, isn't it? Because you have a load of lenses that you can't use and you buy this and then you've effectively got a supply of new lenses to you
2: for the next few months. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's brilliant, right? So and it's way like, cheaper than getting them converted to like m Isn't that
1: like... Looking at porn on No Nut November, but only using your bookmarked porn. It's you definitely, can look it, at it's definitely. I mean, it's in your bookmarks.
2: <laughs> you can look at porn on No Nut November. You're just not allowed to do anything. <laughs> I can still browse eBay, right?
1: <laughs>
2: okay, <laughs> so. So, Sorry, Simon, it sounded like you had something positive. To contribute. Just looking, just no. looking. Don't mind me, just looking.
0: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so uh let's so what 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 else what else we uh have, have we got then, Perry?
2: Okay, that aside, um, I've been messing around with um a lens that I don't know if we've talked about this on the show, uh, but when I was, you know, balls deep in my uh, Cine lens phase, which I don't think I've ever gotten out of, um, one of the things I picked up was this really neat little Soviet lens, which I just checked yesterday, and it has gone up in price a lot since I bought it. I got it for around seventy bucks, and now they're like well over a hundred bucks. Um, it's the Helios thirty three. Oh tried yeah,
1: it. you. I saw you posted a picture of that. I was like, when did you get that?
2: I had it for ages, um, but it, it, it's one of those things because I, I just picked it up for so cheap uh, on eBay to see, and oh, you know, oh, I can oh, only. Just- just a
0: little note here, you've, you've had it for ages. Um, no, I actually uh, no, 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 remember now no, when you got it. I'm yeah. just going to say, li- list- listeners, um, we might hear a lot about this, um, these new lenses that appear with, uh, <laughs> with, from, with Perry and say, oh, no, it's not new. I've had it for ages. Just so, just so you can watch <laughs> out for that.
2: Wait, wait, okay, maybe not ages, but let me tell you when I bought this. I can tell you exactly when I bought it. It was before, was it before coronavirus? Yes, it was before coronavirus. I've had, uh, around the beginning of coronavirus. Um, so anyway, it, have we not talked about this lens? I've been, I've been playing with it quite a bit and I've definitely posted about it in the group. Anyway, anyway, let's talk about this lens. It's really cool. It is the optical block of a cine lens from some Soviet cinema camera, which I forget the name of. Uh, and it's really, really, really tiny, like super, super tiny. Um, it's 35 millimeter F2. But the cool thing about this is unlike the vast majority of cinema, cine lenses that are wider than 50 millimeters, this one will pretty much cover full frame. You get a little tiny bit of mechanical vignetting at infinity, uh, but anything closer than around maybe 10 meters, you're, you're pretty much good, uh, or maybe a little closer than that. So, so you get almost – it has similar coverage to the 51.4 Biotar, and I don't know of any other cine lenses uh, for Super Sixteen, at least that that have this kind of coverage. And the fact that it's thirty five f two is even more awesome. So I think this is one of those sleeper lenses um, that I, I don't know a lot of people with them. I don't. I haven't heard a lot of hype around them, but it's freaking cool. Um, now to use it, to use it, you got to um, R A F camera sells this M twenty eight to m42 thread adapter with a 0.5 millimeter thread which is what you need because it's got a pretty thin thread and once you've got it on there then you just put it on any kind of thin helicoid and it'll work fine on digital i'm i haven't figured out if it's usable on film i don't think so because it's way too close um but yeah i mean it's 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 a relatively cheap 35 f2 cine lens that covers full frame i mean like what more could you want this thing's awesome wow I, th- I think we have
0: we have touched on this before. It, it, and when you were talking about it, there, it does it does ring a bell.
1: Yeah, I I, rem- I remember when we were talking about it because you and I were both interested in it, and it was like it was going to be like a Russian hack job thing that you'd have to buy, and who knows if it's going to work, basically.
2: Yeah, but it's not it's not a hack job. It just unscrewed. Um, yeah. Sometimes they sell it with the like the cinema housing. Yeah. Um, or sometimes they sell it rehoused. But uh, the one I bought was just the optical cell, which has a 28-millimeter thread at the back. And, I mean, aperture ring. That's that's cool. Mm
1: -hmm. That's very cool.
2: Yeah, and and then because it's so small, um, I mounted it backwards on my Sony yesterday uh, to to crazy effect, Um, (laughs) which is pretty cool. It just was like insane-looking bokeh. I took a picture of uh, my Agfa Carrot with it. Nice. There you go, a little... Tip, pro tip for our listeners on a sleeper lens out there, if you're interested in this kind of thing. Um, yeah, other than that, that's pretty much all I've been up to. Okay. Well, uh, uh, let's... oh, I do have a question, though. I have a question. Uh, mostly, I think Donnie's probably best place to answer this. Um, Rodenstock Heligon lenses, obviously, you know, they, they make me drool, and I have got it in my mind that I want to shoot one on film. Uh, so either this helicoid from Yifeng is going to work out, or the more logical way to do it is just get a retina and shoot that. And so if sure. I were to get a if I were to get a retina with a Rodenstock Heligon F2 on it, which retina has the best viewfinder between like the two, <laughs> the two A and the two C? The I, I have a three S. The viewfinder is not bad. It's
1: not bad. I it's mean. Bad. At- I'm am trying to think of an analogy where it's you know, the best option of all your bad options. Um, okay,
2: I, l- l- let me rephrase my question. Um, when I look at because because I like retinas are not common here in Hong Kong, right? They're all in America. So the the retina two on the back, the window looks like a tiny little metal hole, like in the contacts two, Yeah, and I don't want that. But on the two, I think the two C. Uh, or maybe the 3C. Um, I think it's a 3C. It, it's got a you know a larger black uh, window that you look through, and that looks like it's going to be more satisfying. Is is that the case in reality?
1: I don't know because I would never own one of those. I mean, I think that I have a 2A is probably the f- as far as I will go down the retina rabbit hole. Um, let me. me I might be lit, Oh yeah. Oh god. Those are so ugly. <laughs> they're so. They're so just fugly. Um. I'm trying to remember from uh when I've had to put them near my face. Um. How much bigger the viewfinder is? I don't. I don't know. I can't. I can't
2: recall. Okay, listeners, those of you out there who have retinas. Uh, please let me know if it's the case of the 2C with the Heligon is the viewfinder to go for uh, versus say the 2 a I'm sorry the 3C the versus 3,
1: the 2A. 3C. Well, I mean we can look at some pictures online and figure it out pretty quickly.
2: Well, I've been looking at it a bunch, but I just I just want to hear from first-hand experience. Like it it looks clearly that the 3C viewfinder is larger. Um but is it worth the premium essentially? <laughs> <laughs> don't answer that all right anyway. anyway i'm done i'm done no no november retinas simon simon save us you've been you've been doing lots of cool stuff well
0: i was going to say we need to go to chicago first and uh, okay but um before we ask, ask johnny about lenses and things um i need to talk to him about underpants oh my god
1: oh i'm looking at the back of a 3c wait i'm just just to well, we're still close to on that topic. I'm looking at the a back photo of a Retina 3C, and it 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 doesn't it does appear to have a slightly larger peephole. I mean, it, it's it's looks ten times bigger than the 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 viewfinder on any screw mount Leica, if that helps at all. I mean, it looks like a normal size viewfinder hole
2: right right exactly I mean yeah. it looks very similar to the 3S yeah which I'm holding up here right it looks very similar to this and this viewfinder is perfectly acceptable there's nothing wrong with this viewfinder
1: oh yeah um, no it's it, here turn around again Perry no the other the back yeah it looks like that right okay
2: cool yeah I'm happy I'm okay with that I'm happy with yeah that. okay cool am I a red in a, no way I'm not allowed to buy anything damn it unless it's got that if has the heliagon on you're okay no no no, only the 35 2.8 heligon not a 50 Ah. f2 heligon ah damn it well there you go
0: never mind um there's always next year um so uh johnny um, yes underpants um yes there have there have been um i've i've received at least at least two negative comments uh, about
1: then, then
0: my work is done here. <laughs>
1: um,
0: yeah, there was a there was a great deal of bemusement when uh, because I've I've widely uh, shared photographs of our um, our latest product, the uh, classic lens lenses podcast uh, Leica Advanced Lever uh, yes. Underpants, and uh, available in chrome and silver, <laughs> not chrome sorry, chrome, yeah chrome and black. Um, and uh, it, it was all going so well, but I, now, I think I've now realised why nobody, nobody has bought a pair of our underpants. So I was thinking surely somebody should have bought them some by now, and and they haven't. And uh, it was it was pointed out I haven't got the uh, I don't know who it was now. Um, I do do apologise, but
1: uh, somebody put something on the lines of
0: 100 percent polyester."
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I think people are misunderstanding the purpose of the of these leica underpants which is you know partially my fault because i didn't make them red um and or blue because they're not meant to be worn on the inside i mean you wouldn't want to wear those in the inside they're meant to be worn over your pants you know superhero style
0: so i've got to say uh, to nick lyle's credit he got that straight away yeah, we yeah did put that out he did. So
1: he, did. he mentioned that. So, so I, I, I mean, I, I, I'm gonna change. I'm gonna update them to more appropriate superhero colors. Because I mean, generally, if you look at superheroes, I mean, they're not. Those aren't white. Typically, they're like, they're like red or blue or green, right? Or maybe yellow. Even who's got who's a yellow superhero? Yellow underpants superhero. Uh, the, the, I don't remember. Riddler
0: was or was he? He's not a hero, is he? Well, he's a bad guy, isn't he? But he's still a superhero. Well, he's not a hero, is he? Super villain, isn't he?
1: Super villain, yeah, yeah. Super villain would work. They could be superhero slash villain pants. Um. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, they just need to be properly marketed. Yeah. You know, I, I just kind of put them out there as because I mean that's what they are, is. You know, under pants, but they're really over pants so so so, yeah, so
0: those people have that have criticized the product um it's you just didn't understand what
1: what you're you, looking at there right, yeah, right, yeah, I don't think you'd want to wear those as a next skin layer, no, so much No, but as a as an on top of pants layer i mean they're perfect that's
0: it um, and where where can the fine folks uh, buy such a, a, a high quality excellence or...
1: i mean just go right to the classic lenses podcast.com and it will there's a link there to go to the merchandise shop where you can where you can get those along with you know t-shirts and stickers i got i got my stick i don't I, sh- I didn't post them in the group yet but i'll have to i got my stickers this week that it orders a sample. They look freaking great. They look awesome. I have one on my laptop already. I have a be like Carl sticker on my, on my laptop already. They look, they look, they came out They really, look really well printed. I'm not going to praise the design. Cause it's my own design. Like, I make the best designs. I design everything so well, but I, but, <laughs> but, but I will praise the printing. The printing looks really good. So I, I I'll post a picture of that in the group. I don't know. I mean, you, you are cheap, man. Buy a goddamn sticker for it's like three dollars. It's like three dollars and you can have a it's a two pack. You get you get like the be like the bee like Carl and you get the 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 monkeys, you get the the podcast monkeys. Could, the could the you- gear monkeys sticker.
0: Uh, if there if there are people like me that don't get stickers or or, or badge pins
1: and thing, thing, things like that, what? But, what, could, what all right, yeah. I can Face under, mask. I can understand pins, but why? Why? How can a sticker not be useful? I mean, a sticker is always useful. <laughs> stickers are always there's always something you can put a sticker on i mean my god the next time you you keep it like a keep it like a, a band-aid or a plaster or whatever you call them and you can stick it on the next time you get a paper cut you can put it on that
0: that's i mean i've got a sunday 16 um sticker in my car it's in my glove box i think because
1: graham gave it oh, to yeah. me and i i just don't know what to do with it so you could here's a couple of suggestions Simon, that, that don't even involve leaving your automobile. You could stick it on the glove compartment door itself. Or you could walk around to the back of the car and you have multiple locations where <laughs> you can put that sticker. You can put it on your bumper. You can put it on the, the back window of your car. So you had two more locations. So just speaking for your car alone, your vehicle alone, you have multiple uses for that sticker. Just just with your vehicle now that in addition to that, you could drive your vehicle to say the local pub. If they're open, I love pubs open.
0: Yeah. Although they, okay. they're shut in a
1: little bit earlier now from, from All right, so you could drive to the pub, get a pint, get some COVID and go into the, <laughs> and go into the, go into the bog and you can slap it right there on the wall like with all the other stickers and graffiti, you can put it right there. And that would be a perfect location for a classic lenses. Podcast sticker it would be the, 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 the bathroom of your favorite dive bar. That's is the it, perfect location. But that's It's like traceable, isn't it though? I mean, there can't be
0: anybody else. They're going to come
1: and arrest you. I mean, well, it, it, it's litter. It's graffiti. It, of course it is. That's what you're doing in dive bar bathrooms like everybody else just because everybody else is doing it doesn't make it right no no it's a but that's what's supposed to happen in dive bar bathrooms have you ever seen a dive bar dive bar bathroom without graffiti tags and stickers on it it wouldn't be i mean wouldn't you be that would be like it would be like a health code violation you wouldn't want to, You wouldn't even want to order a pint
0: there. Make it sound like like it's some kind of theme pub, and they've actually like brought somebody in to decorate the, the 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 toilets
1: like that. But that's that's pretty much what it is. I mean, I mean, okay. Let's just let's let's just like. Can you imagine what what is the what is the Rolling Stones album where the cover is the the graffiti in the bathroom? Don't know. Uh I'm looking it up because I'm just saying, I mean, you, if that, if, if that wasn't a thing, Oh, beggars banquet, 1968 beggars banquet would not exist without bathroom graffiti. So it's, it's like a public service. So you could go to any dive bar bathroom and, and stick that sticker on the stall or on the wall right there. And I mean, it would be that that's like, it's, that's what they're made for. It's not like you're going to get. I mean, how are you going to get in trouble for that? You, what if what if another listener had put it up in there? It's not like we're oh, yes. responsible because we are the podcast. You see what I'm saying?
0: Would it would it, it would also be wrong then for us to encourage people to do it and then share their pictures on in our Facebook group and various social media?
1: I we could we could blank out their you know pixelate their eyes. We could do <laughs> we could. There's all sorts of options. All kinds of options. So, so, so a sticker it is always useful. There's always some place you can put a sticker, okay. and it's perfectly acceptable. Okay. Well, let's 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 move
0: move it on from stickers. And uh, so, what what else has been happening in Johnny Land?
1: Um. So I I received a couple of things in the mail this week. One of which I was going to open live on the air because. I haven't opened it yet and I know who it's from, but I don't remember what it is because this has been so long. But the other thing I should talk about first is the thing I did open, um, which uh, I'm still not clear on who it came from because it came in a box with no return address. It had just a PO box. Um, And I remember Simon saying somebody was going to send me, Ah yes. the thing. Yes. So you know where I'm going with this Simon. I do. I do now. Yeah, yeah. And I don't I don't recall who the person was, and there was no return address, and there was nothing in the box as far as like instructions or anything else. So I opened the mystery box, and inside the mystery box was a 3D printed uh camera, uh, which I I believe if I'm correct with measuring the opening, it's a um it's a six by 12, 120 Ooh, format, three D printed camera. Is this all sounding right? Yep. Sound that's it? the one. It's yeah. the,
0: the crack. It's a Kraken six twelve.
1: Kraken. Okay, because it doesn't say that anywhere on the actual device. Um, so I, I open it up, and I I have a, a lens that I've been saving for exactly such a type of project. Uh, and that lens is, a, a Schneider Angulon, uh, 65 millimeter 6.8, which mm. is a very, it's a super tiny, I mean, tiny, tiny, uh, little wide angle, um, large format lens, or I guess medium format lens.
0: Uh, no, it could be, could be large format,
1: though. I guess it will cover. Yeah. I, guess, I think it probably shades a bit. But, but I mean, the point being, it, 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 for 6x12, it'll work just dandy. Yeah. Um, and I've already confirmed this by, you know, mounting the lens, checking focus, you know, on a piece of ground glass. And it does indeed focus kind of unnervingly exactly at, at infinity, almost like I, I'm a little... I'd, I'd feel better if it focused slightly past infinity. Cause I'd know I actually had, you know, a true infinity focus, but it seems to be accurate at infinity. It's just the, um, the uh, one thing I notice is the, the call it, I guess the lens board that's in, in the, in the helicoid. Um, I don't know if that thickness of that is accounted for in the mount design, but anyway, the lens mounts, um, the only trouble is I was going to ask like a Nick Lyle about this. The best way around it is that if I, if I tighten it up too much, then you can't turn the aperture lever because it's, th- you know, I it's,
0: think uh, it's it, more of a question for Graham Young. Than, uh, so that is
1: that the maker? That's right. Graham, it's Young, is Graham of the Young
0: camera podcast.
1: Okay. So that, so, so, so it all makes sense now that it's Graham Young. Um, so that would in fact be my question for Graham and or Nick Lyle um, is, uh, how is the best way to attach that so that you know it it doesn't uh clamp down the aperture uh lever because you know it's kind of hard to but anyway that that 's neither here nor there um the the item itself is is super cool i mean it's like it's kind of like it's it's essentially my dream camera it's it's a one twenty format you know panorama which is really what i've what I've been after, um, especially after my, the utter failure of my attempt to buy a super mint um, Kodak Panoram, which would have taken 120 film and made a much wider panorama. But the camera that I got had uh, serious problems and has already been returned. So, so this is a great solution. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited to, to, to give it a try. Johnny, do you have a finder with that? Uh, it comes with a, a 3d printed finder, which is, you know, just a frame mask, uh, which looks like it'll work, but I I was probably going to put like a, I got to figure out the focal length of this lens.
2: Um, right. For six by 12.
1: Yeah. 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 But I figured I could probably throw like a 21 millimeter Voigtlander finder on there and it would be probably close. Well, you can, you can work it out
0: by the the shape of the cone that the lens is going to sit on.
1: Right. Right.
0: Effectively gives you your, your your lines of uh, your converging lines going the other way.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it would like, I think the 21, if I, Oh, so this is the other piece of, I haven't received it yet, but the other piece of interesting, maybe I'll wait to talk about this until I get it. I'll do that. But anyway, um, at any rate, I, I, yeah, I can either use the viewfinder that came with it, which is just like a, you know, a non-optical mask, essentially, right? Really really bright. Yeah, very bright. It's almost like, (laughs) it's almost like just as bright as real life. Yeah. Yeah. uh, or I could stick like the a view, a fi- uh, Voigtlander finder on there, which would work also really well. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, it looks like it's, it looks like it's going to work great. And I, 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 I think I'm, um, confident enough in the focus. I even, I even did a, a test where I focused at about, you know, a meter and I marked on the helicoid, the, like the one meter mark. So if I want to use it for like close up. Stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. my, my, my way to, my, my thought behind shooting a lens like this would be, um, that I would basically always shoot it, you know, stop down to let, let's say F 16 or so. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not, I would never really use it for anything that would require, you know, uh, like a small, small depth of field. Um, yeah. uh, so it's you know it's a basically a point and shoot,
0: which is yeah. great the, the the thing to always to be always to be wary of though is that you think about all oh, this is like a super wide angle lens, but it's still a ninety millimeter lens i mean this is this is like one of the the, the issues that you get with with large format um just because you've got the angle of view of what you would consider to be like a twenty one millimeter lens you it's still a ninety millimeter lens with the with the depth of field that you would get with a ninety oh, millimeter yeah. lens. Right,
1: which which is loads of depth of field. Which is that's
0: what I'm saying. Is no, no, no. It's 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 obviously the longer the focal length, your depth of field uh, de- decreases. Right, yeah, but you have I'm- like a shallow. You got a you know at f six point eight, for instance, you got a shallower depth of field at ninety millimeters than you would do at f six point eight at twenty one millimeters.
1: Yeah, right, but I'm only going to shoot it stop stop down. Hyperfocal is what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, but it is, but it, it's a lot. I guess what, what I'm trying to say it it's, it is actually a little bit more critical than it would be with a with a 35 millimeter wide angle lens.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, ab, 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 absolutely. But I'm I'm gonna shoot it hyperfocal. I mean, I'll I'll work out the hyperfocal, you know, chart for it and shoot it that. Way. I I don't intend to use it for anything other than landscape, essentially. Yeah. So. Um, but yes, point, point well made. Um, so yeah, I've, I've got this working lens that I've had for a couple of years with, you know, and I I thought that I would someday do something like this and poof, it just showed up. So, so that, yeah, that's rather amazing.
0: Um, I'm well, just going to say on, on on that subject. I mean, I've I've got one here as well, which I've I've printed myself, and I've I just haven't had the chance. You're actually further ahead on using it than I am at the moment because I, I still haven't actually calibrated the focus on mine yet. Um, but I'm I'm going to be using it with a a seventy five uh, millimeter um large format lens um in the actually yeah he you said yours is 65 isn't it so I can, 65 yeah, yeah so i thought it was 90 for some reason but even uh, so yeah the principle yeah. is still the same but it's it's obviously you've uh it, it's 65 you've got it's going to be a bit easier with that hyperfocal length than it would be with a with a 90 90 uh, millimeter lens but right uh, I, but I, I love the camera i think it's 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 a really nice shape it's it's well it's well weighted obviously the the longer the lens you're going to have on it you'll have a longer cone so you can send the weight a little bit f- uh, further forward but it's light in the it's light in the first place and it's it's what for me it's one of those cameras where you know, do you even really need a viewfinder uh, because especially if you're using one of the at, at the wider end uh, you just want to attempt to just get it level point it in the right direction have it stop down and, and go really, yeah isn't it?
1: yeah pretty much yeah um so yeah, I mean it it looks it looks brilliant. I mean it, to me, you know, the big thing is it's 120. Um so cuz I've got 35, you know, for pano, I've got more than covered. Uh but yeah, 120 is amazing. So, um yeah, so for right now I have the lens kind of mounted on there just slightly, you know, loose enough that I can move the aperture uh lever. Um but I mean it's basically going to be left stop down anyway. Um, and I uh, just, you know, change, change the exposure as needed, but keep the lens, you know, stopped down for, uh, Uber, Uber, Uber depth of field.
2: Um, the thing has, the thing has multiple hot shoes, right? So like worse, worse comes to worse. You could stick a water meter on it.
1: Uh, yeah,
2: you could. Yeah. It's got three shoes. Uh, accessory
1: slots on there. So yeah, you could, you could do such a thing, but I mean, it's, you know, the, the, I'm looking at the. Um, I've marked it. I've marked the helicoid uh, for that close focus, and it's it's probably a what is that about a thirty degree turn on mm-hmm. the helicoid. So it's you know there's there's not much to it. Um, essentially, with a lens that wide, I mean I, it's basically like a two stop. You know I've got two two stops for it. One is infinity and one is, you know, one meter and anything in between is just going to be left at infinity more or less um, for the, to get the depth of field. So yeah, it's a brilliant, brilliant idea. Um, You know, 3d, 3d print wise. And it looks like it's going to work really well.
0: Yeah. I'm really looking forward to using mine as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty brilliant. So thank you very much. So it's Graham.
0: Yes, it was Graham.
1: Okay. So, so I, I need to reach out to Graham and thank him profusely for sending me such a thing because it's super cool. I was going to say, I've
0: I've been like an intermediary on this. So I've been passing information to you. Then Graham's passing information to me and because you, neither of you seem to be on the same social media system at all.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I guess. Apparently. But I'll, I can reach out to him through um, Homemade Camera Podcast. Yeah, right. must be a way. Okay, yeah. so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. Good. I'm going to do that. So, so that's point number one. Point number two is I have a package here from Norway, mm-hmm. from, from Mr. Humberset in Norway. And mm. I don't recall what this was, but it says rolls of film. Quantity three gift. I'm looking at everything that's checked off. So I'm going to, I'm going to open this right now and I'm going to describe what's in this package. So in this package are what appears to be, well, there's three rolls of film um, and they're in Kodak Kodak 200 cassettes, but I don't think this is Kodak. Kodak 200, pretty sure it's something else and there's no note. (laughs) So, (laughs) so I don't know. So I'm going to have to follow up. Um, And that's, that's Sven from viewfinder Vikings, right? Yes. Viewfinder Vikings podcast at gmail.com is the email address on the envelope. So I'm going to follow up with him because I remember like several months ago, he had some film i think it was film that he had like a tail end of in a bulk loader and he sent a bunch of film out to a bunch of people so um i have to i'm just not sure what it is so i have to follow up with them and ask but but i got it today or i got it i guess day before yesterday i've been i've been waiting to open it on the
2: podcast uh i i think i know what it is um because it, it's it's on their website
1: oh is it really
2: yes i'm Uh, so
1: glad you guys are here to tell me what all the stuff is that i received (laughs) in the mail this week
2: (laughs) well um on on the website on episode 22 it says i I may be on the wrong episode they may have done more free film uh giveaways but this one says um they're sharing a bulk roll of agfa apx 400
1: oh that's very exciting that is very exciting indeed that was my go-to film for years, for years, mm. and I—lovely th- stuff. Yeah, I think I—I I think I in the freezer. I might know. You know what? In thirty-five, I've got some in one twenty, but in thirty-five, I think it's long gone, long gone. That's very exciting. Okay, wait. Let me let me taste the film, and I can tell you for sure. Smells like smells like Agfa. <laughs> Tastes like Agfa. So I'm assuming that you're right Perry, because it it smells and tastes like Agfapan four hundred <laughs> what you guys ever don't you guys you guys don't taste your film
2: I, I know what you mean about the smell. some films have a distinctive smell for sure yeah I've never licked it though no
1: really see I usually when i'm developing i I usually make myself a little cocktail um i I take you know, because like, let's say I always overmix my rhodanol by, say, 200 mill- milliliters in case you have like a little spill or something happen. I've got a little bit to top off the tank, but that doesn't get used. So I usually make myself a little cocktail of, you know, rhodanol on ice with uh, and, I, and then you put in as like a, you know, like a twist of lemon. You put in the leader from the film you're developing.
0: This is the breakfast of champions that you've referred to. On
1: well, well, it is it? it is in my is it is in my cookbook Cooking with Rodinal. Um, I do also have cocktails in there and and this is one of them would be, you know, the Rodinol on the rocks. But but you, the whole point is you have to put your film leader in there with your rodinol, like a twist. And the film leaders since, you know, film they all have a slightly different taste. It gives you a different, say, you know, it'd be like a twist of lime versus a twist of lemon. Slightly different taste. Or uh, um, yeah, what, is it? what is it they put in whiskey sours? Don't they put something like that in a whiskey sour, like some sort of garnish?
2: Angostura bitters or a, a, like an orange peel or something? Yeah, or, exactly. Like
1: orange peel. peel, like that sort of thing. So depending on what leader you have, it's going to give your cocktail a slightly different taste. I can't believe you guys don't do this when you're developing film. It's like one of the best parts of developing film. Maybe it's just rodanol people. Well,
2: I I use HC one ten. I'm definitely not drinking.
1: How does that taste? That must. I I just got my first bottle of. Oh, here that's another. Do
2: not drink HC one ten. No,
1: it's so diluted it won't hurt you. It's (laughs) the same with Rodinol. It's like it's like one to fifty. It won't hurt you. So, um, I yeah. you know, I've only, I've basically only developed. I, I have not used any developer except for Rodinal, literally since 1990. I literally, have used no other developer than Rodinal. So, I this week I got in the mail from uh, Freestyle Photo. I got the, the big jumbo bottle of HC110 because there's some films I just I really want to try. In HC 110, because I, you know, I could do them in Rodinal, but I've seen enough examples of certain film developer combinations that I really want to try. And also, I mean, for like doing expired film, I I don't think Rodinal is the best choice for that mm-hmm. necessarily because the, the you know you tend to get more base fog, and it seems like with the HC 110 with expired film you get less base fog. Mm-hmm. Um, So. I bought it kind of for that and for a couple other things, but, um, but I'm looking forward to trying it. And I mean, one of the fringe benefits is the, the, co- is the cocktail. So I, cause I'm assuming it does taste a little bit different than the road. Anyway.
0: So is that, is, is that, uh,
1: is that you done Johnny? Um, yeah, more or less. I don't think I've, received anything new this week I have as usual something to return this week so I have to return my <clears throat> I have to return my best of tea to Japan I talked about that last time yeah. right yeah Yeah. Mm-hmm. so that I, I, I finally have the printed the FedEx receipt and now I have to take it literally in person to a FedEx to get it weighed and pay for the postage and all that stuff so One of the the joys of buying internationally and why I don't do it and why every time I do it and every time I get burned, I tell myself I'm never going to do it again (laughs) because it's a royal pain in the ass to return things. So anyway, although the gentleman that I returned my uh, on the Isle of Wight that I returned the Kodak Panoram to, was it? Yeah. I mean, he was, he's, he was very, I mean, he was like exactly what I would expect if Simon sent me like a piece of crap camera and I had to return <laughs> it to him. I, I expect Simon would be just the height of, of British politeness and, you know, easy to deal with. This guy was, you know, he's wonderful. He was really, really nice. Like I would want to go, if I ever made it to the Isle of Wight, I would want to go look him up and buy him a pint or something. Um, Yeah. So the, the, so I find that returning things to folks in the UK and Japan is always a very pleasant experience, other than the fact that you're having to return something. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's a pretty heavy cost as well, isn't it, Sending send it back? It's it's a lot cheaper to send it to you than it is for it to come back this
1: way. I felt really bad for this guy because he, he sent this camera really probably to the best of his ability, described how it was functioning and described it you know, is functioning well, which it unfortunately the shutter was messed up. But what do you have as a reference point for a hundred-year-old camera you've never seen before? Yeah. Um, but I mean, the shutter just totally was not working. It 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 just wasn't working at all. Uh, I mean, it would it it was only swinging in one direction, which means you'd expose <laughs> you'd fog half the roll of film on a roll of film that you're going to get four shots on anyway. <laughs> so you know, the usefulness of it was. It was going to need to be probably disassembled and rebuilt, um, which is really unfortunate because the poor guy, he sends it to me. It cost literally, I'm not exaggerating. It was, a, it was $100, just under $100 US with you know, tracking and insurance to send it back to him, which he paid for. Which I just I feel really bad about that because if he's going to sell the camera again, he's going to probably need to get it serviced, or he's I mean he's going to sell it to someone who's going to service it, but he can't he can't po- he can't list it as working.
0: Well, I think that's I mean, the lesson though, isn't it? I mean, he's, le- he's le- you know, it's an expensive lesson, but he has learned something there that if you don't understand something i mean i i I come across equipment every now and again that i have no vaguely what it is but i don't understand how it works and so you you describe it to the best of your means and you you don't oversell um or you even sell it for 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 parts and not working to be on the safe side
1: yeah simon that see to me i I mean i don't sell on ebay but if i did that would be my approach as well because why would you want to deal with the disappointed customer on one end and then because the way eBay works if it's not as described you're eating the return postage which from the US like I said is was just a shade under a hundred dollars to return the camera. Um so yeah I mean expensive lesson learned I I agree with you. Um it just I feel bad for him because I feel like he you know he really didn't do anything wrong. He just didn't know he didn't understand the item right I mean, as opposed to the every time I get something from Japan, I feel like it's exactly the opposite. I feel like, how the f*** could you not know this is not right? It's not a rare camera. All you got to do is look through the viewfinder and flip the, you know, try all the shutter speeds. And literally, I keep getting things from Japan that are described as working, and they are just not. Like, the rangefinder and the Besse-T, like I said, would not align. I mean, it would take... It would take a 30-second test of that camera to confirm that it's not working correctly. So I mean I was like, I don't really have any sympathy for that. Because yeah. I mean, it's just you either you either don't know what you're selling, or my my theory has always been there's two kinds of sellers on eBay. Well, the really three. There's there's the honest ones, and then well, there's no, it's just two. There's there's the honest ones, and then, then there are the ones who figure either you don't know it's not working right or they don't know it's not working but either way they're going to sell it is working <laughs> yeah. and either either you don't know enough to know it's not working or or they don't know enough and they're just hoping you don't know that it's not working because <laughs> they don't know themselves so it, and it seems like everything i get from japan falls into that seller type and as long as it looks nice on the outside and it looks like top mint they don't bother seeing if it actually works or not that that's my week in returning things from ebay to international sellers
0: okay well i've i've been buying stuff um and i bought a carload of gear um
1: like a literal carload right
0: a literal carload well it filled the boot and that no no i had to drop the seats so, uh, so yeah, wow. a, 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 a carload of gear, um, and, um, and I've posted a few pictures of some of, uh, of, yeah, the, some of the more interesting things I've, I've picked up, I've uh, posted around, um, but, uh, yeah, I, I bought, uh, a lot of stuff at auction, um, which I hadn't actually bought much at auction for, for a while, but, um, this, this time I did, but there was a consequence, uh, of buying all this stuff from auction, um, because it was all in Scotland, uh, which is a long way from me. Um, and, um, but, um, uh, friend, friend of the show in many respects, um, certainly a listener of the show, Fraser Yule, um, you know, he volunteered. I um, mean, I think it was actually in, in Edinburgh, um, uh, on the on the Saturday and uh and the place where this was a place called Montrose uh where the uh where the stuff was which is the, you know, the next the next major habitation north of Montrose is Aberdeen <laughs> yeah so it's a it's a long way up and I think okay, yeah it was it was going to be a 350 mile each way journey in a day uh to to, to oh do it my so, God. Uh, yeah so uh yeah calculated around about six 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 hours without stop uh, without stopping each direction so uh, no.
1: just because i'm going to get this confused sorry i don't want to interrupt you but i just just to confirm fraser yule does not have the proper train right uh, sorry the proper train yeah okay. i i always confuse fraser yule with is it the oh, other fraser no
0: no no that's uh that's ian that's ian right yes. okay yeah and okay. Not not, not not you all either.
1: <laughs> not you either. I just always seem to con- confuse those two. But okay, gotcha. <laughs> um, I'll forget the screen. So he didn't. Right no, so he team? didn't. What's in other words, answer? I just wanted to confirm he, he wasn't delivering it. train. Ian Fleming. <laughs> in, oh, Ian Fleming. Oh, yeah. yeah. Ian Proper Train Fleming. Okay, I just wanted. I was just trying to picture if he was bringing it to you in a little no, no, proper in, in, a, train. in a
0: small proper train. No, <laughs> in a small
1: no. proper train. Okay, all right, sorry no 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 so okay. um
0: so he he volunteered to uh just nip up the road on a two hour each way journey <laughs> on top of his trip to edinburgh um which was wow. pretty pretty amazing um so um and he brought all this stuff back at one point he got quite scared uh because um one of the items that he thought i might have bought was a was an absolutely enormous process camera <laughs> um, which needed a van uh, to get it. He was thinking, "Oh no, it's not that, is it?" Um, but uh, fortunately, it, it, it wasn't. Although there was a uh, a sixteen by twenty four inch uh, panoramic camera that he uh, had to bring back. Um, although wow. uh, before anybody gets too excited about that, it was something that was um, knocked up out of uh, out of MDF um, and uh, weighs a ton. Um, and also, the lenses that were fitted to it would only barely cover four by five. So I've I have no idea what was going on there because he was you know pressed four by five press lenses on a sixteen by twenty four inch um, panoramic camera it just was never going to work um, but the absolutely huge bellows with it as well um, but anyway that's uh, that's that that was just one of the things uh, that that came with this but there were some ha- some absolute highlights um, with this and which I bought apparently. Uh, to buy to sell but I might actually struggle um, to let some of these things go and I just want to run through um, you know some of the some of the highlights in there Um, and I think I should start with the much maligned uh, Mamiya Mamiya Super 23 uh, press camera um, which I actually bought two of those Uh, but one of them and this is the one I really had my eye on um, had the 100mm f2.8 lens on it which is a nice awesome lens or at least people talk about it being awesome um i actually struggle to find that many photographs taken with it um but it's it's got a it's got a great reputation and uh, just for so that people know the uh mamiya uh, super 23 uh, it's a it's it's a it's an unusual camera and uh johnny has uh slagged the this this camera off many times possibly even last week um no so, never done such a thing have i yeah i think i think so <clears throat> and i think i i'm pretty sure you did it last week because it was uh you know, between you you and um ethan were beating up on it as well like saying it was a i think ethan described it as or you did a, a camera that was made by engineers conceived and made by engineers instead of uh anybody else so it was a, ca-
1: a no camera. that was another that bastard it wasn't me <laughs> okay
0: well um <laughs> i'm sure you were nodding your head as he was saying it um but yeah. it's it, but it's a it's a camera that does absolutely everything whether it should do everything is is, <laughs> is, a, is a big question um but it can do just about anything it's even got like bellows on the back of it so you can put a ground glass screen on it um you can make it into a panoramic camera which i i didn't know uh but I've got some instructions to say that you can. So there's a, a panoramic version that you can make on this, and it's got interchangeable backs. Um, it came with a six by seven back, but I've also got a six by nine back on this as well. Um, but this this lens, the the, the hundred f uh, two point eight, it's a, one of the reasons why it's uh, grabbed my attention. Is because if you ever look on like Camerapedia or something like that, you'll it will tell you what the um, in fact, all the uh, Bermia lenses are quite interesting on the, on the, from the press cameras. But the, the, on Camera Peter, they're all described as the, you know, what is the optical formulation of them. You know, and there's a Topogon in there. There's a Biogon, which is a 50, 50mm 6.3, I think it is, uh, which I've got, and I've just found out it doesn't work. Um, so I need to get that fixed. Um, but uh, when when you get to the... Uh, 102.8 it's got it's got some magical it's got a magical word after it when he describes the optical formulation biotar yeah. and i'm thinking now how cool is this a a, a lens that will certainly do six by seven and um, potentially does six by nine as a biotar i mean that that just that just sounds ace uh to me and and i've done something else with it i've actually um offered it up to one of my large format cameras and it just about covers four by five and nice. that opens up some very very interesting opportunities uh, because just just so i mean we talk about crop sensors and uh, all that kind of stuff and uh, equivalents and so on well it works the opposite way the larger that you go it makes effectively makes the the lens wider um in terms of you know, what you're actually uh, seeing on, on, on the film or on the ground glass. So with 4x5, is a is a rule of thumb, you divide uh, by three and that gives you an, an equivalent focal length. Um, and so 100mm roughly works out at 35, at, you know, an angle of view of like 35mm. And you can also do the same thing in terms of um, equivalence of depth of field and so it effectively makes it like a 35 1.4 on 4x5 which to me that just sounds i've I've just got to do that and i've and that is going to happen quite soon because as you might have expected i've already uh, finalized a uh, a lens cap design uh, for for this uh, for the Mamiya, Mamiya press cameras i've already had one for for the 50mm, uh, but I've now got one for the uh, the shallower lenses, because the 50mm has got a, a protruding rear element on it, so it has a much deeper uh, lens cap for it. Uh, but I've done it again now, and I've done it for the, uh, the the shallow ones, but that means that I can now transplant that design onto a lens board for a large format camera and just literally mount it on and clip it, clip it onto, the, onto the front of uh, one of my large format cameras. So I'm, I'm just so looking forward to doing that. And the other good thing about it is, I can use it on uh, a normal large format camera instead of uh, uh, like a speed graphic or my micro press, which you've got a focal plane shutter in and like a, a normal camera, if you like, um, because the Mamiya press lenses have their own built-in shutter uh, and a helicoid as well, um, which, um, yeah, we've talked about this before when uh, um, when Nick's, Nick's been on the show, Nick Lyle. Uh, not that I'm going to use the Helicoid on large format. Just you've got bellows, and you can put it wherever you like. But it's it, it's it's going to be an interesting adaptation, and I'm really really looking forward to using that.
2: That's super cool. I mean, you see the you see the 3.5 a lot more um, than the 2.8 lens. I think the 3.5 is just a Tessar. Yeah. Uh, so so yeah, this is super neat. I mean, I've been looking at pictures on Flickr of the uh, U- Universal um, Press 100 2.8 while you've been talking and um one of the guys on here seems to have got the um sort of pano setup here all right and the the pano image he's got is uh like 100 by 29 aspect ratio uh, which is pretty wild it's like over a three to one pano and it looks great
0: yeah it's it's I'm, i'm i'm just so so looking forward to using it and uh so uh yeah so anyway so that's uh so that's that's one lens uh one camera uh really excited to use um other highlights um there was a pentax uh smc is it an smc uh,
1: i've
0: just got it here in front of me yeah an smc pentax uh the very like the the early one so uh, before it was like the became the the pentax m um so it's a k mount um uh, very early one and it's a 50 millimeter f 1.2 um, which we we haven't really talked about 1.2 lenses in in a while, but we like that we like 1.2. Every, anybody that's into lenses likes a 1.2 lens, um, even though we hardly ever use 1.2 lenses. It, it seems that if you are a a lens nerd, um, it just just feels right to own a, a super fast lens. And <coughs> the, the the this particular lens, the, the it's it's one that I've been wanting to get my hands on for a very long time and they do they do pop up for sale uh, but they're usually quite expensive and th- for some reason they just ne- i've never actually had one um i've never really been close to to to, to buying one of these and uh, so I've, I've managed to get this one and it's lovely it's a really really nice lens uh, eight aperture blades on it um focuses the wrong way which is you know Crit- critically, uh, a critical error on on Pentax and, uh, and Nikon's uh, part as well, for that matter, um, which is you know it's it's seriously hampering its usefulness to anybody, I guess, um, but certainly to me. Um, but I'm I'm looking forward to putting this against my um, my uh, Konica fifty-seven one point two, which is my my absolute favourite one point uh, two lens. Which I've, I've had quite a few one point two lenses over the years and the Konica is uh, for me has been the the best all round 1.2 it's not necessarily the the the, the sharpest lens um because so I'd, I'd certainly give that to the uh the Canon FD L 50 uh, 1.2 but I've I didn't get on with that lens at all um and uh, but it's 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 pretty sharp at 1.2 uh, this is the Konica I'm talking about, and it, it renders really nicely. It's radioactive, so you, it gives a little bit of warmth to, to the image. Um, but this this Pentax isn't radioactive. Um, it's smaller, I think. I haven't got the Konica uh, with me this second. Um, I think it's quite quite a feel It's nice, nice and compact, although it's really really hefty. So it's got a really good feel about it, um, and it's. I've, I've heard good things about this lens. Um, it's but yeah. it's something that you don't really see many people using it
1: no it's not a lens that you that seems to show up all that often right i mean it's they're not exceedingly common i don't think i mean they're relatively i mean it's it's one of those 51 twos that has the reputation of being one of the very best 51 twos also um yeah so yeah that's that should be super interesting
0: so I'll 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 do, I'll try and do some head head to head gratuitous bokeh shots um, with this and uh, but there was <clears throat> I did actually use it to take a couple of pictures of uh, of, of Fraser uh, it's his, it's his home along with um, the next lens I'm going to talk about which is the post uh, well this is like one of the brands of this lens because it's available in in quite a few guises uh, but the post 135 mm f one point eight um, oh yeah yeah which is that's that's a that 's another lens that i 've been wanting to get my hands on for a while, and uh, every time i 've seen one come up you know, they just seem to be going for too much money um because mm-hmm. i i 've seen pictures taken with them and i'm <clears throat> i 've never really been blown away by what i 've seen um, and so it was it was it was interesting uh, to go straight from using the the fifty one point two at Fraser's house with, with the um using um, with my sony and i 've uh, posted I think I've posted, yeah, I've posted these pictures in, in, in our Facebook group. Um, and it, I was quite shocked uh, when I, when I, I went from one lens to the other. So I went on to, when I put the 135 on, uh, the amount of veiling flare that I was getting at, at, at 1.8 was enormous. I mean, it was, it was, the, the, the difference was just really stark. Uh, was the, 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 the Pentax, I mean, the, the the shot that i took i posted that without any i shot it in raw and i i posted it as a jpeg without doing anything with uh any of the sliders at all but i was thinking this is fine and and it worked i thought the light was quite nice anyway so that would that was that was helping um but the the amount of flare and lack of contrast uh with the pause i was thinking oh i'm not sure i like this at all and it was it was quite difficult to focus as well um, and it was quite glowy. And so my immediate impression was, I'm not so keen on this. Um, and yeah, when people say it's not that good, I'm thinking, you know what? I think I'm in agreement with that. Um, but I posted it and uh, there were a couple of comments and I can't remember. If, was it Alan Mills? I'm not sure. It's, uh, uh, but there were uh, at least a couple of comments uh, about it. that were quite positive and when I actually posted the, the the main photograph, I I converted it to black and white because whenever I see Valiant Flare, I I generally it leads me towards taking it to black and white because I tend to like the look of Valiant Flare in in mono. Um, and interesting enough, when I was processing that. It, that was actually very very lightly processed. I just uh, upped the whites and uh, made the made the blacks darker, um, but you can still see that there was a, a you know there was a lot of tonality in the image and not really the the, the blacks weren't appearing in the places where they were with the with the Pentax lens. Um, but I was prompted to um, post the unedited um, photograph, and you know a few people, including uh, my co-host here um, Perry G. Um actually quite like the look of that, didn't you, Perry?
2: Yeah, I, I really like the way that looks. I mean, it's interesting what you just said about veiling flare because I find that I prefer it in color images. Um, I'm not a huge fan of it in black and white. I mean, it's fine. It, it, it looks cool. But when there's backlit, especially backlit sunlight, uh, in in a color image that's a little warmer, I, I find the look great. But the one that you posted, um, it it's really muted in its colors, and it's very... Low contrast, and I really, really like that look. Uh, in fact, I, I actively seek out lenses that look, you know, just that, just crappy enough. You know, <laughs> um, we we had that discussion, and that that is like just the right amount of crap, especially for a hundred thirty-five millimeter lens. I mean, if you're going to shoot, you know, um, primarily people with that kind of focal length, or, or sort of tighter tighter bits of scenery, I imagine at nighttime. I mean shooting that thing at night in Hong Kong would be really really cool uh for for one thing as well. So I think it looks it to me that lens screams still. Yeah. <laughs> Let's Just put it that way. It screams cinestill at night. Um but but even you know beyond that something like uh Kodak Ektar is is a film that I would probably want to use that on. Um if shooting film. What what mount is it by the way? Uh, Pentax K. Oh yeah, okay. I there was one here. Um, in Pentax came out at, on sale at um, the Leica store that closed down. And uh, I almost bought it. It was like 90 pounds, but I I didn't have enough space in my bag because it was freaking
0: <laughs> huge,
2: <laughs> that lens. So that's when I came out with the Xenon and Heligon instead. But I kind of regret it now after seeing your shot because it's not a very good lens, but like that makes it a really good lens. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I, well, certainly. I've I've reappraised my view of it now, as 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 re, as a result of uh, your comments and others, and and something that you know I was, I was criticizing it for not being that sharp or certainly it was difficult to focus. But I mean, what do you expect really um, for a, a, a lens that fast? Um,
2: but, yeah, there's loads of loads of sharp 135 millimeter lenses, right? I mean, like a 135 that is not that sharp, and you know muted and low contrast and flary that that that's something different that's
0: cool well, that's it so I've, I've got a fungus ravaged canon 135 f2 um which is fantastic i love that lens and i can nail focus with it really really easily but the you know the difference between the two will be enormous i um, mean if i stop the the pause down to f2 it's still going to be an enormous difference between the two it'll be there'll be you know no competitions to 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 work out which which lens is which um but one one thing that it did do when i started to to look at the shot in a little bit more detail or sit back and look at it and relax um was that uh, the 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 shot of Fraser, it it, it, it there is a, despite its low
2: contrast, it it still had some pop in it, and that that really yeah. surprised me. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, it's you see this a lot in large format shots that have low contrast. They still have that pop because the tonality gets you there, right? So with the lower contrast, what you tend to get as well is um, softer blacks um, and a lot less deep, you know, contrast in the blacks in particular. And I think that when you have the right amount and right sort of gray tone curve, um, to me, some of those images pop the most. It doesn't all have to be about you know mad contrast. Yeah, yeah. So also, sorry, can I go on a little yeah, rant yeah. here yeah, go. about the port? So I'm I'm looking at pictures on Flickr shot with the Porsche 135 1.8, and 99 percent of them look like shit. <laughs> and the the reason the reason why they look like shit. Is because people have been taking digital pictures with this lens, and then trying to compensate for its characteristics by jacking yeah. up the contrast on their image, and that looks so bad. It looks like you know, it looks borderline sort of HDR tone mapped, or like the tones are all over the place. Yeah. So even a lens like this, you know, either shoot it on film, or if you're going to shoot it on digital, just let it do its thing. Yeah. You know, it's it's not a high contrast lens. So if you're going to take a picture with this and then jack up the contrast slider, it looks really bad. Yeah. So all you people on Flickr who've posted your poor shots with your contrast slider <laughs> jacked all the way up, stop doing that because <laughs> <but laughs> just get a better lens if that's what you want. Well, that's it's, it's interesting. You said that and I, I feel I'm on,
0: I'm on your, I'm on, I'm in your good books on this um, because I thought to myself, Oh my word, this is an image that needs a lot of post-processing and it didn't matter what I did. Uh, and this is when i was doing it in color every the more i did of something you know raise the contrast or whatever it it, it took away uh more than it was adding uh to, yeah. to to the shot and it was it was yeah i was losing tonality and and i wasn't really gaining anything other than perhaps some darker blacks and some artificial look it, yeah the, the skin tones were going going really weird and and when you <laughs> just said like about a bit like hdr yeah it, it's yeah, it was doing really, really strange things, and the same thing was actually happening with uh, when, I, when I turned it to mono as well, because uh, what I what I tend to do with mono shots, I'll I'll, I'll just uh, run them straight into silver effects and then just see you know, which which of the presets and silver effects works. And there's usually a few of them that I tend to favour. And I didn't like any of them. Every single one of them made the photograph worse than just the straight, uh, hit, you know, just hitting uh, the, the black and white button in, in in Lightroom. And so ultimately, I I did a very light touch to do the mono shot, where I say all I did was just um, made the white, got, I got a white point and I got a black point, uh, which is... Yep. Um, the way that Carl taught me. Uh, that's, that's, uh, that's my baseline of, uh, of, of doing, uh, doing black and white film and the, it, it's it, sort black and white uh, uh, processing. And, it, and it's done me very, very well ever, ever since. So uh,
2: yeah. Interesting that. Yeah. you know bingo. And, and, and I'm really glad this topic is coming up because, it, you know, if you think about what makes one of those ugly HDR tone map shots, right. The whole idea is they're trying to bring up the shadows, bring down the highlights so that everything is kind of, in the same sort of tonal range, but then it ends up looking really unnatural. But when you have a lens that's naturally this low contrast, your shadows are lifted, um, and so your shadows are already much closer to your midtones. Yes. So if you start kind of dicking around with contrast, you, you do get this weird like it has a similar effect, and it looks fake. And so exactly what you're doing is right. Let the to- leave the tone curve alone, and just pull the blacks and the whites to where you want them. And then, like, and then you're good, right? You can do some local dodging and burning. That's fine. But if you try to kind of modernize the entire tone curve, it's just going to look like it's just going to look like crap. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I think there were there were times where you know, I, I'm quite happy to use a, a a pushed look in black and white. Um, I've have mm-hmm. done it many times for, for like gear porn shots when it's on my um, my horrible uh, yellowy uh, wooden table. Uh, the and then you. you I'll I'll use something that's um, uh, high structure and contrast uh, in uh, in was it uh, in in silver effects and <clears throat> I really like the look. It's artificial. You'll never get that look uh, with, with film, but I don't care. I just like the look. But that's doing it with a lens that uh, you know probably like a planar or something like that. It? And and uh, you know, you've you've got you've got something consistent to start off with or something normal to start off with um and what you get out of that uh, post to start off with is just not normal so uh, you have to treat it differently
2: yeah yeah, yeah. so so you, you're doing well with that crap lens let the crap lens be crap and it looks good <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, don't fight it
0: i'm i I mean i've got a i've got a it came with a pentax mz5n uh, which is one of these 90s um i'm not going to call it completely horrible uh is that camera, the hamish really? camera I, I think it might be. I did. I, did, I mentioned it to him the other day. I goes, isn't this what you're after? He goes, yeah, a year ago. Um, so, um, <laughs> so um, yeah, it's got a bit more heft uh, to the to the uh, to the MZ cameras I've I've played with before. So I, I don't know. It might. Oh, it's another camera that I'm apparently going to run a roll of film through. Um, who knows? It, it might happen. Um, okay. So uh, so that's the post. Uh, next lens. To briefly talk about is a. Uh, it's an Air Ministry lens, um, which is, so to World War, I think they were World War II lenses, M- Air Ministry. So it, uh, made for the British government, uh, for the RAF. Um, and it's, uh, but it's made by um, Taylor Taylor Hobson, because it's a, uh, a Cook lens, uh, 20 inch um, so that works out at five hundred and eight millimeters. Uh so Perry, Perry was doing the maths there. Um, I thought I'd save you that one. Um so five hundred and eight uh, millimeter F four point five. Um, Jeez. It's, yeah. It, it's um <laughs> it's it's properly heavy as you as you might imagine. Um and I I think that might it's it's the, the image circle it projects is enormous um i you know i'm I'm sure it'll it'll cover uh 10 by 8 you know without uh, any kind of sweat whatsoever uh so i've done done the uh the good old uh hold it against a, a wall and let the light shine through it and uh, see what image it projects and it's it's i've never seen an image projected that large before <laughs> uh, it was it was great wait is that one of those big ass brass lenses no it's black you, oh it's black oh yeah you, you like it even more now don't you
2: well, I don't know the the Taylor Hobson brass lenses are pretty sweet, yeah. so
0: I mean, that, that might be there. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm sure if you use it long enough, you get the brass coming through on it. With black paint, yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, black and brass, not black and black and chrome. Um, <laughs> so uh, I have not a clue what I'm going to do with that. I, it needs a good service, um, but dude, adapt it to your Sony and go birding. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh man, can you imagine the adapter I'd need for that? Oh my word! Just break the mount off your Sony. Oh, that'd be hilarious. Though
0: I'd, I'd have to get a drain pipe or something like that. You know, not even a drain pipe. Yeah, you know, something that goes underground. You know. So, um, oh my word. Yeah. So um, yeah, we'll we'll. I don't know. I might have to have a go at doing something with that now. Um, at least just to give it a go. At least anyway. Um awesome. So anyway, uh, two two more uh, things uh, that uh, to talk about. Uh, one of which is. Um, I picked up an FT2 uh, camera. Do that's KMZ or KMZ? Uh, I, 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 I guess they made it. Um, but Johnny knows something about those, don't you, Johnny? Which one is it now? FT2. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The Tokarev. That's it. I couldn't remember the name of it. And it is called the FT2.
1: Yeah. So you you call it right.
0: Oh okay, but uh, it, it's it's the um, it's the. The Soviet camera that looks like it came out of a tank because it did come out of a tank camera, um, and it, and it's got a Interstar. Um, is it f five? It's fifty mil f five. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah. Yep. I mean, where does f five come from?
1: Well, it's 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 stopped down so that you you have uh it's a fixed focus lens so you, it's stopped down to a point where you have basically hyperfocal from about. Uh, they say twenty feet, but it's. It, I find it acceptably, pleasingly out of focus at let's say, ten to fifteen feet to infinity. So it's you know it's stopped down so that you've got essentially hyperfocal focusing on it. Yeah. But f five. Yeah, it's enough to get it. But, but it's enough to get you enough depth of field from. But,
0: but not five 20 feet away. <laughs> But not five
1: point six. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't design it. Didn't yeah. Talk to the Russians. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: another another confusing design decision by uh, by our, our, our Soviet friends there. <laughs>
1: um, I figure that's probably probably Simon that was just in the sweet spot. I'm thinking. Yeah.
0: So or is it a military thing, and just five is just easy Pro- for people probably, to understand? Probably.
1: Yeah. That, that's yeah. very possible too. Sure. Yeah.
0: Well, anyway, it's. uh, it's, it's, it's a lovely thing. And I was, I was describing it to Johnny, uh, in, in our little chat and, and I was saying this thing is mint. It looks like it's hardly been used. And, uh, you know, and, and they're like beginning to assume that this is going to work perfectly. And, uh, and, and Johnny goes, no, it won't. <laughs> it's going <laughs> to, it's going to need filing uh, to make it work and stuff like that. So, but I hope not. I mean, what, what did you? What, what what might be wrong with it? What 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 do I need to look at? Well,
1: it's pr- it's probably fine. It's just it it's it's just a weird camera, and and there's a lot of there's a lot of things on it. Like the the I have I have the one that I have is very very heavily used, and then I got another one that was not as heavily used, but not completely working. But the one that I have that is very heavily used, was um, highly modified. And after I used the camera for a while and then got another one that was really not working that I bought mostly for the cassettes and for parts because it was cheap, I realized that the person who owned the one that I had used the hell out of it because they, they burnished off all of the, uh spots where the film gets scratched um and they had done some light sealing on it i had to do some more um because they they famously leak light in a couple of spots um but there's a lot of areas where the film rolls through the camera where it can get scratched and the film magazines the the cassettes they tend to scratch the film too so they just they require a lot of uh, fine tuning, shall we say, yeah, um to get them to work and not be kind of scratching up film and stuff um and leaking light. So I'm I'm sure it will work. It's just it probably will need a, a lot of tweaking to be uh let's say you know um reliably usable yeah. without marring the film and leaking light and stuff. Yeah.
0: Well, one of, one of the things that surprised me about it was how small it is. Yes. Um, because I've seen lots of photographs of these and I just you don't appreciate just how small they are with it because they look like they should be a lot larger. Yeah, yeah, this is it true. Yeah, I think one of the, re- well, one of the main reasons why they, they're smaller than you think that they should be is, is the fact that, and you've already alluded to it there with the film cartridges, um, that you, you cannot put a standard roll of film in, into it it just simply won't fit um right. so you you have to um load uh, the, the the cartridges that, that come with it And if you don't have all the, the cassettes if you don't have the cassettes with one of these cameras you're in you're you're in a bit of trouble
1: <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i i was gonna say simon that i mean your next Id, uh, 3d printing adventure <laughs> No, I'm serious. Yeah, well, you're, you're, can... not, you're, not, you're not the first person to mention that too. No, because the cassettes, I mean, if you go to try to buy, the cassettes are almost impossible to find. And, I mean, literally, I bought a second camera that I knew was not working, but it had the two cassettes. I mean, I spent over $100 on the camera to get the cassettes because to get a, a second pair of cassettes for that camera is a really big deal um, because that way you could actually change – you know, you could actually carry extra film with you yeah. to, to shoot in the camera. So um, so it's kind of a really, really big deal. And people have uh, 3D printed the cassettes, but um, I know Vlad on USSR uh, cameras, um, there was a discussion about that for a while. And I think somebody was messing around with 3D printing them. Um, but it was not like they ever did it as anything more than a personal or maybe hey mate i'll make you one of those but they certainly weren't selling them yeah. so you you could like own the market for tokarev ft2 cassettes simon and that would be brilliant because they're really hard to find
0: yeah i was i was chatting to steve lloyd chroma camera uh, uh, having this exact conversation um but looking at them i mean they made a very thin steel yes um and the, the Yes, you can print things pretty thin in plastic, uh but you print thin plastic, and then you you don't really have any strength, and you certainly don't have any um yeah. light tightness now you could argue you could do something about it, or actually, you just live with a compromise and you and you just change the things in a dart bag um and then it doesn't really matter if the cartridges aren't light tight um right. but it's it it looks a challenge and it looks like something that you would make, and it'd be just really easy to break um yeah that, that will be the thing but i, I think when when the, when the time comes and i've got a bit of time I, I probably will have a look at it just just to give it a go at least anyway
1: yeah well and the, and a key a key element of those cassettes is that they're felt lined yeah so the the felt so you'd have to get like and i've i've found that stuff you can buy like the adhesive you know felt stuff that you can cut to size um so the the you know the felt lining would help with the light tightness I don't it might help a little bit with the rigidity as well yeah I mean, um, it's.
0: but it would also take away from the you know how much you can physically how much film you could actually physically fit in the thing as well
1: yeah, yeah. a little bit yeah. um so I mean you can't really load more than um well you can get most of it th- so when I've loaded them I've just transferred film off of a 35 millimeter you know Factory loaded spool onto the Tokarev, and it takes just about a full thirty-six exposure roll, mm-hmm. uh, maybe a little bit, a little bit less. Um, so, but I mean, it's you know, that's that's with in the you know the the, the factory stock cartridges that have felt lining on them on the inside already. Um, the take up spools I think are would probably be a little bit easier because they're almost. Standard thirty-five millimeter take-up spools—they're close, but not quite. Um, so I would think those would be a little bit easier to deal with. I didn't actually realize they were different. I thought they were—they—they were the same. No, they're—they're they're different than thirty-five millimeter spools. No, because, no, no.
0: I mean, just the the two the two cassettes that come with it. I thought they were identical and just—oh, they are. Oh, yeah. okay, Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. They are. But I'm talking about like a standard, like in other words, a cassette from a standard thirty-five millimeter. Like if you were to take a roll of film and pop the take up spool, out, right? Yeah, they they, they're not standard that way. Yeah, but they're yeah they're a matching pair though. They're they're standard Mm. for the camera.
0: Yeah, well I I will, well, I may uh, take take a look at that. I mean I'm 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 currently uh, designing things for for cameras and 3D lens caps and all the 3 d printed lens caps and things is, is, is all i 'm doing at the moment it seems and uh, i 'm just about to start some work um, some more work I should say on uh, doing more inserts for hamish gill's uh, uh, pixelator uh, camera and so uh, it looks like the next the next thing i 'm going to do uh, for that because i 've already done mounted a mounted slide holder for it uh, for helping yeah. digit, digitizing mounted slides um, i'm going to have a go. At, in fact there's, a, there's been a poll um, and, the, and, and winning the poll at the moment is probably the hardest thing to do um, so thank you everybody um, and that's to come up with some kind of uh, insert to do uh, sprocketless film and uh, I've got some ideas on that so I'm going to start working on that tomorrow although um, I, I can't see a way of completely um, having all of the sprocketless film exposed or being able to be seen um, because you've got to be able to hold the stuff flat so something has to hold it down so uh the only way I can see of doing that is actually putting it into some kind of uh almost like a tray um and then the you know like a groove or something like that or they'll just keep it in one place so uh that's that's probably what I'm going to be working on next so uh,
1: which I'm enjoying it's good it's good very good yeah. so so just on the Tok'ra for a moment here simon i have to do this on air so that we have witnesses <laughs> but, yeah. it's not as if like I, I can't edit
0: this or any or anything is it
1: no sure you can because we'll just talk about it later and then everybody will be like, release the tapes release the tapes it'll be like that time me and perry were <laughs> talking about rain trying for an hour <laughs> <laughs> so so you have to make a gentleman's agreement with me that if you ever go to sell the tokarev just assume that i'm going to buy it from you well funnily enough funnily enough, I I've already
0: had an offer and I've it. No, 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 I have. And, uh, I've already, uh, well, I don't, have also had an offer for the, uh, for the, for the cartridge, for the cassettes for it as well, strangely enough. Um, but, uh, like, yeah, oh, you don't really need those. You just, uh, you know, send, send me the cassettes and you keep the camera. You'll be, you'll be, you'll be fine. Um, but, uh, but no, um, I, there, there was, uh, it, it, it was raised to me. Um, uh, so how much has that been sold for? And I've, I've, I've actually said, well, I have a friend in Chicago who has first refusal. So there you go. That's already oh, in place. Oh, wonderful.
1: Okay. So that, so that's good we have that right, and the other one is that if you don 't use it for a year, you automatically have to sell it to me <laughs> no, no.
0: it is going to get used. I have absolutely no doubt about that whatsoever of all the things i've bought um it it's right up there, right yes. up there um, um, inc- including uh, the last one, because i 'm thinking oh we 've been going on for a while. um the last thing i 'm going to talk about, and this is something that. Uh, amazingly didn't make that photograph uh, that I took of some of the uh, the the gear and it has got the best front element um of a lens I've seen probably this this side of a, a Nikon 8mm 2.8 um it's huge and it's stubby and it's a uh, it's a That's zodiac what she said. <laughs> <laughs> okay um yeah so Um, It's a Zodiac 8, um, which is a 30mm f3.5 lens for, uh, in this case, uh, Pentacon 6 or Kiev, uh, one of the Kiev's um, 6, Kiev 60, um, maybe the 6C as well, maybe. Um, But it certainly fits on on my Pentacon 6, which is is sort of causing me problems because I keep on getting really nice lenses for the Pentacon 6 system. And... I, I'm not actually that much of a fan of it, but I really appreciate what it does. You see, it just works like it's just a really big normal camera. Um but when it comes to shooting six by six, I want to use my Hasselblad. It's lovely. It's it's just it's just nice. Or oh, use a Rolly, you know. But the lenses I seem to be getting for the for the, for the Pentagon are just awesome. I mean, apart from we've got the, the 120mm Planar, you know, this this lens is just wonderful. Um I mean 30 millimeter i haven't actually worked out what that is in uh in 35 millimeter equivalent and, and, and the fact that it's a square format lens makes that that calculation even harder um i'm looking at you perry now to work that out <laughs> um but it's it's certainly a an, an ultra uh wide lens i'm guessing the field of view is probably around about 120 degrees maybe some something like that and i've seen
1: it described as a fish eye uh... <laughs> Simon, not to interrupt, but I'm I'm just reading on the uh, pentacon6.com. Okay. It says the diagonal angle of view is 180 degrees. Good Lord. <laughs>
0: yeah. Wow. I'm, I'm finding that hard to believe, to be honest. But well, let's just have it. – I'm going to just give it a try.
2: Uh, let's just see, check if you can see your feet. Nah, that's not 180 degrees. No, 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 no. Oh, di- the diagonal, he said diagonal
0: oh, yeah oh, oh. actually it's <laughs> that's probably not far off yeah <laughs> uh, but, but who measures it in diagonal i mean what's what's that all about it's like it's not a television is it, <laughs> oh, makes, it makes sense yeah that's that's wild though it is it is but you, you don't use it diagonally um but anyway no, it, it's it, yeah but it, it's yeah when i said 120 milli, so it's 120 degrees sorry it's, it's going to be uh it's going to be wider than that, and it's it's just it's, it's lovely. And I've seen this lens uh, because I've seen a few um, Soviet lenses that have been adapted to to digital, uh, especially on the wide side of things. I think there's a sixty five mil. Um, uh, or oh, I can't remember who makes it, um, but I I had one once, and I was utterly unimpressed by it. Um, whereas I've seen this this lens adapted onto uh, um, like small small medium format digital, uh, the the Fuji ones. And um, and I've seen some really good pictures with it, um, surprisingly good. Um, so this is another lens that I've, I've I've bought for commercial reasons, which I may I may struggle uh, to to let go because it's it's just fun. I mean, anything when you you look through anything that's extreme, it always brings a smile to your face, even if it doesn't necessarily bring you better photographs. You just have more fun using it.
1: Oh yeah. It's it's an insane lens. We we had one at Central Camera for the longest time, and I I I finally I mean they it it had probably been at Central Camera for twenty years, just sitting on the shelf. And I finally put it on eBay, and it sold after you know six months or something like that. Um, but it's it's massive. It's a ridiculous lens. <laughs> it really is. It's you got, you kind of have to see it in person to get the full sense of what it, what it looks like yeah it's it's
0: it's but it's yeah it's just that front element it's it's enormous but it's it's not a long lens But they they can't be the yeah. lens that 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 wide yeah. yeah so um so yeah yeah they it's super super cool so um yeah they they were the they were the highlights of my purchases this week <laughs> that's amazing Woo. right now then um we do have an email but i think we've run out of time uh, and it's a cracker an email which is another reason why um I don't want to do that today um so that will get uh, put into the future and also um we've I think we've mentioned this on the show but certainly we mentioned it in the group that at some point uh, Mike Gutterman is going to be joining us uh, at, at you know, to have a chat with us um but unfortunately um the the, the switch to working the uh, working um it's a recording on a Wednesday is uh that's that's difficult for mike so um we're going to try and work out a weekend so that that might take us a little bit longer now before we get mike on to attempt to say good things about the leica r system and attempt to say good things about pentax lenses so uh so that that's that's going to have to wait for a bit um let's uh just quickly say thank you to the uh the donor uh, since last week, uh, which is Mike Epstein, um, uh, former guest on the show. Thank you very, very much uh, uh, for for that, Mike. Um, Okay. Is there anything that we want to say before we
1: disappear, uh, Johnny? Um, I don't think so, other than we want to thank the people who have purchased items from our merchandise shop, such as stickers and T-shirts and superhero underwear which someone has yet to buy so yes. you could be the first you could be the first and don't forget to post pictures of you wearing that superhero. wearing them yeah. that would be and like i would suggest that you you fashion a superhero cape to wear when you were in this picture and hold your favorite classic lens camera combo <laughs> and you can come up with your own superhero name but I, I think if you had all those elements that, you know, that would be, that would be amazing.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Can't argue with that one. Um, any, any shout outs, Johnny? Um, not that I am recalling off the top of my head, other than, um, a big thank you to the kind people who have sent me things this week <laughs> that we have talked about previously. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, how about you, Perry? Any shout outs? Uh, No, no shout-outs for me this week.
0: Okay, well, I've got a shout-out, which is quite similar to the shout-out I gave last week and also quite similar to the shout-out I gave the week before. And that's to Graham Jago of the uh, Sunday 16 podcast and Sunday 16 Presents, who um, I had a chat with him. And I've said now for the last two weeks that that's going to be turning up on the Sunday 16 Presents uh, feed, and it still hasn't. (laughs) <laughs> got round to it so I, I don't know if this was deliberate uh, he knows that i'm i'm giving this, this this shout out every week now until he actually airs it um but you know sounds you like it. Yeah. yeah so um so yeah uh that's that's the that's the Graham. um okay um so if people want to get actually no i'm jumping ahead aren't i um perry how can people uh follow the things that you do
2: uh, you can find me on Instagram and Flickr at Perry G and Johnny. How about you?
1: Um, hold on, I gotta look this up because I'm gonna forget it. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Second City Auto, uh, or you can uh, give me a shout and we'll meet up somewhere on my front porch in the Chicago area, etc., in person. So second city auto is that literally you just
0: a car account or are you going to put your bokeh shots on there as well
2: no,
1: that's literally just for car photos right and it's that's the only thing i'm actually presently doing on uh instagram okay and if you want to get in touch with the show what's the best way to do that uh please email us at classic lenses podcast at gmail.com Um, if you're also, uh, doing things on Instagram, um, you can follow along best vintage lens on Instagram. That would be amazing. Um, of course, uh, if you need to buy some superhero, like a lever winder underpants, you can do that at, uh, classic lenses podcast. Also, you'll find a link there to get to the shop to buy, uh, all that good stuff. Um, What else can people do? Oh, you can maybe find us on YouTube at Classic Lenses Podcast. Not sure if there's anything going up there
0: recently. That's audio only as well, isn't it? Audio only.
1: Subtitles. Yeah. Yeah. Audio with subtitles. Okay.
0: Um, And for me, I'm on Twitter as Simon4. I'm on Instagram as Simon Forster Photographic, which is also the name of my website, which is simonforsterphotographic.co.uk, where you can buy a fantastic range of uh, 3D printed lens caps for lens caps that you for camera systems that you're gonna to struggle to find otherwise. And I've I mentioned it last week, I've got the uh, the double-ended uh lens cap
1: um, <laughs> Are you going to have those on special for no nut november?
0: Well, yeah, the, yeah. Um so uh double double ended lens caps for uh what are they Con- uh, contact rangefinder um which I still haven't actually had chance to put on sale yet. Um and in the time when I haven't had a chance to put those on sale, um I have the uh, the new uh, Mamiya press camera rear lens caps which I haven't had a chance to put on sale and also that I haven't had a chance to put on sale are some double-ended Leica M uh, lens caps as well Uh, which is actually the the whole point of doing these double-ended lens caps in the first place was um, it was suggested to me that uh, I should I should make them uh, double-ended for Leica M because Leica used to do those things so I've now done that uh, which you still can't buy Um, and then something else that I finished uh, that you can't buy is and probably nobody will um, is uh, body caps for Miranda uh, cameras. That's the uh, the original uh, Miranda. Uh, I mean, I've got, I've got to blame Ben Kuto uh, because Ben Kuto um, sells uh, my lens caps and bits and bobs in uh, in, in in America uh, for the from the Kuto Camera Company. It's also on eBay as well, um, and he he insisted, "Oh, we've got to do Miranda caps," and uh, so. I made Miranda lens caps, which I think three people have bought from me in six months. And, uh, and then he, he did the same thing to me again. Oh, we're going to do body caps, body caps, do body caps for Miranda. Um, so I've done that. So um, who knows? Somebody might uh, buy a, a Miranda body cap when I actually put the things on sale. So um, so they, there you go. Um, right. Uh, I think that's pretty much it. Um, our music is by Kevin McLeod of Incompetent.com, And I hope you've enjoyed this week's show. And if you can, be like Carl.